0: Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. Today's guest is Henry Weinlich. He's director of HIE and IT operations at Ohio Health Information Partnership. Welcome, Henry. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, you're, you're our first HIE representative, so you have to represent well, but for those that don't uh, know it. you, tell us a little bit about yourself and Ohio Health Information Partnership.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll start out with my background. Um, I've been in healthcare since 2004, so 18 years, uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Wow. And um, I started out um, in pharmacy, moved on to um, medical records. Um, and then got into clinical research, um, doing mm. cancer research. Um, went to uh, Ohio State, got a degree in microbiology. Um, got out in the workforce, and I uh, I found myself um, working in a lab, but being more interested in the lab software than actually doing the research. And so, <laughs> um, so awesome. I, I yeah I know. So I, I found myself making friends with the uh, the developers of the lab software and. And I, I kind of reached a point where I was like, "Why don't I combine these two things? Why don't I combine healthcare and, and my interest in in technology?" So um, by by a, a couple of chance meetings, I, I ended up getting a, a position here at the Ohio Health Information Partnership, um, where, like you said, I'm I'm uh, maintaining all of the uh, IT infrastructure for us. So um, it's been quite an interesting ride. Um, moving on to what the company does. So, um, you know, the company, uh, the Ohio Health Information Partnership, some people know us as uh, our product name, which is Clinisync. So, okay. Clinisync is the um, name of the HIE and the suite of products that goes into it. So, we operate as um, the largest HIE in the state of Ohio, um, mm-hmm. and we have around 156 hospitals. Um, we're processing roughly 8 million transactions a day, so so pretty high throughput, and we're taking that data, we're deduplicating it, we're putting it into a single patient record, and then we're providing that data back out to the community, Um, so your providers, your hospitals, your health systems, to be able to use that in the clinical setting. So we can do that in many ways. Uh, We have have portals, we have automated APIs, we have uh, notifications that go out, we have directed results delivery, we do some work with the state for um public health reporting so uh lots of different um avenues there but that's uh that's the basics on on the company
0: yeah, it's great to see so many millions of transactions being processed. I, I think we, we sometimes forget how much progress we've made. And so I think that, that illustrates to some extent the, yeah. the volume. So yeah. let's talk about, you know, you, you talk about you provide all these services, right? And talk about the IT stack for, you know, what does it look like for an HIE like yours?
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting because uh, there's no manual on this stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it, it's, it's the Wild West uh, in, in some regards. So, um, you know, our, our definition of HIE is the most inclusive definition. So, if it's something that we can do, we try to do it um, mm. for, for our clients. Now, that definition can be different for other states and other regional entities out there. It, it all depends on what the needs are in the community. But we, we took the approach of, of you know, exposing the most data back out in the community as possible. So um, like I mentioned, that 8 million transactions is uh, quite a lot to manage uh, where, you know, our company is small, we're, we're hovering around 25 to 26 staff, I believe. Um, so being able to manage that means we have to have a lot of efficiencies in place. So when when you look at you know the needs of HIES uh, for us being the the most inclusive we have um, we have uh, both a vendor that we utilize for uh, the majority of our back end processing and some of the front end applications um, however we also maintain our own internal infrastructure that sits in front of our vendor um, mm. that that we are able to uh, be kind of the the first point of connection for. Our, our constituents, and that allows us to be a little more nimble with the data. So while we are feeding everything into our current vendor, um, should we pick another vendor to help us with, you know, maybe moving into a new area, or we have other needs that come up in the community, we can easily uh, pivot on that. So, uh, so we we maintain um, probably about ten to fifteen. Servers, uh, you know, at a data center, obviously, not, not, not on site, sure. but, but uh, we, we maintain ten to fifteen that are um, wholly owned and operated by um, the Ohio Health Information Partnership, and then we also have uh, the infrastructure over at our vendor. Um, the majority of this infrastructure is going to be your typical um, API gateways, SQL uh, tables. Uh, we do have some non-relational databases as well in there, Um, and we have uh, a lot of it is custom developed, uh, like master patient indexes, Mm. um, indexing services, validation of the data, transformation of the data, a lot of steps that go into it, so it requires a lot of processing power.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And what kind of messages are you sending? Is it is it a lot of direct messages? Is it API calls? Is it uh, you know through your portal? Like, talk about what's really happening. I, I think yeah. that's what a lot of people they sure. look at as yeah. well, eight million yeah. messages. What does that consist of? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so all the above, right? It's um, it, it, there are many ways to interact with the system, and we try to uh, enable all those methods to to make it as easy as possible. So. Uh, The way I like to describe this is anytime an action is performed at a hospital, I'll use a hospital as an example here. So anytime an action is performed, we're getting a copy of that data. So we kind of sit on top of all of those communications and um, we're getting a copy of that. So an example would be, you know, let's say, John, you go to the hospital, um, you register, the registration person um, puts your information in, that fires off a message, right? That tells all of the other systems within the hospital like the lab system the radiology system that hey john's a patient you can now order results or or, you know put in uh requests for tests um, on this person and and very similar thing happens when results are um sent out from the lab system to the billing system and um you know radiology and transcription so transcribed documents um things like that so we're receiving all of that data um, we also uh, work with several other formats of data, so the continuity of care documents, mm-hmm. uh, and so w- with that with that data that's that's coming in, we're taking all of that in in real time, and uh, we're exposing that back out to the community. So the ways we can do this are, uh, we do have a provider portal. You can log into the provider portal. Uh, it looks very similar to a patient chart. Only this mm-hmm. patient chart has data from all the hospitals or healthcare systems that this person has been to, uh, which we found is, is very valuable. But, do providers
0: um, like to do that? I mean, I feel like the, going to another portal feels like a lot of work, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So that, that's a perfect segue because I was going right into um, the, the next part, which is, you know, when we enabled that, our, our goal has kind of been to sit in the background and, and almost not know that, have not have the providers know that we exist Um, we we want to we want to integrate so well into the workflow that it's it's not another username and password they have to remember it's Mm -hmm. not another set of uh you know steps they need to take to to access this data so what we do is we we have a um you know for all intents and purposes it's an api gateway Um, it uses uh, IHE profiles to be able to communicate like basically machine language Mm -hmm. um, back and forth from the um, health systems. And what this enables us to do is basically like Epic, as an example, we can become a node off of care Mm -hmm. everywhere. So, so when you're in Epic and you're, you're hitting all of your care everywhere, uh, you know, instances um, you can also hit us and get the data that is not Care everywhere, so um, we're we're really bridging that gap between um, the major vendors uh, in, in this instance, and you know not only that with being able to query this data, but we also um, allow for automated queries. So if there are patients scheduled to arrive, you know, the next day or the next week, overnight, their systems can automatically query us. They can pull mm-hmm. that data back into their EMRs, and this data. Is, is structured in a, a continuity of care document way, which is, you know, a, a pretty widely recognized standard. And that's able to be incorporated directly into the patient chart. And the physician doesn't even know any of this is happening. All, all of a sudden, this data is now available, and it's, it's, it's proven to be really valuable in the community.
0: Yeah, interesting. What do you see as some of like the other big IT challenges that yourself and other HIEs are still working to resolve?
1: Yeah, th- this is, um, you know, it's a really interesting question because a lot of HIEs are formed as nonprofits mm-hmm. and, and being a nonprofit comes with its own set of challenges um, and, and especially when it comes to funding. So you mm-hmm. generally have to get creative about um, how you can select software and infrastructure. Uh, and, and that, that, you know, sometimes means doing things like going at a more of a partner model with, Mm -hmm. with vendors, um, and, and saying, Hey, look, we're a nonprofit. We're here to serve the community. So let's partner up on this and say, this might be a new use case for you. Maybe we help you develop it a little bit. Maybe you resell it. Um, so I think, you know, some of the challenges that, that really are facing, not only us, but a lot of the other HIEs. And, and I think this may be contributing to one of the reasons you're seeing some consolidation is that costs are only going up for, for <laughs> infrastructure and for acquiring software because you have to pay the developers and cost of living is increasing and the product price is increasing. So, yep. um, it, it you know, you have to get creative uh, on, on things like that. And so We've really taken the approach to, when we're selecting vendors, to find vendors that not only can accomplish the goal that we want, but become kind of a development partner with us. So have it be more of a partnership and less of a, a client-customer you know, type of relationship. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So this is one of my favorite questions to ask people. I call it the wave a magic wand question, but I'm especially interested to hear you answer because I think interoperability is so challenging. But you know, yeah. if you could wave a wand, right, and solve one interoperability challenge, what would it be, and why would you want that?
1: Oh boy! I mean, I, I think the one thing that would really help in this situation that you know we're kind of in um, in this landscape is uh, code sets so hmm. each each hospital and um you know healthcare facility their emrs have um everything's coded right the 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 lab test name is coded uh your physicians are coded by npi mm-hmm. um even the results themselves are coded and there and there are um there are some standards out there uh there, there's like woi there's snomed RXNORM, npi right for providers um and but there's also an option to just make them up. <laughs> and so you can in, in in your you can make internal codes essentially for for your system. And, and we actually see a lot of uh, health systems do this where they will use internal codes. Um now we're getting away from that. We're it's slowly starting to get away from that. But um when when you're building, you know, in, in EMR, I'm I'm gonna, gonna take a, a make an assumption here, but I think that. Sometimes it's just easier to just say, Well, here all here's our list of tests, just throw codes on it. I don't mm-hmm. have time to look at a whole loink mapping of codes and figure out, you know, does this one match up with this? And it and it takes yeah. and, and, you know, I, I think everybody that listens to this podcast understands that whether you're deploying a new EMR or switching from one to the other, you're all it's always a race against the clock because you can't <laughs> you can never do everything you want to yep, do. And, there's always and, more. And, oh, there's always more. And and so Um, You know, I think something that would really help interoperability is is getting to some sort of maybe not a single standard, but a collection of standards that that could help us integrate even deeper than we are today. Um, You know, this is something that we do as as an HIE. So we get all this data in, we actually map everything to our code set that we have standard. Mm -hmm. And and that's how we're able to combine all this data together. And, And so um, I, I think that taking that element out of there could probably really help us.
0: It's interesting. So you're not asking for more code sets. You're just asking for everyone to use the same code sets. Is, is that, Did I understand that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to an extent, right? I mean, I don't think there's ever going to be one thing that applies to everybody, but I do think that eventually we need to get away from make making up your own. Because because mm-hmm. a complete blood count at hospital A is a complete blood count at hospital B. Yet, you know, one can be a code of 68 and the other one can be a code of 72. And um, you know, in, in our system, that obviously doesn't reconcile well. And that requires sometimes manual intervention, sometimes it's automated. Um, but you know, we, we are seeing with uh with US core data interoperability, right? US CDI. Mm-hmm. Um, we are seeing that uh, some of these, uh, some of these coding methodologies are going to be tied to um, what I assume is going to be reimbursement. So mm. um, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think that's a common theme with um, getting uh, healthcare institutions to move on some of this stuff, which is you got to hit them in the wallet sometimes. Yep. <laughs> and, and, follow uh, the
0: money. <laughs> yep,
1: Follow the money. So, um, so we're, we're starting to see some of that. And um yeah, I mean that's that, that that's pretty much the the landscape of it right now. I mean I, I would I would love to see some of that. I think that would really help enhance some of the current initiatives especially around stuff like social determinants of health.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, you and I met at the uh, Direct Trust Civitas conference there in San Antonio. Yeah. And you know, the whole focus is around health equity, social determinants of health. How real are these efforts, right, to address health equity? And what do you really see happening from an HIE perspective in this regard?
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy because it feels like it came out of nowhere, uh, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, obviously, this is a major issue. It's a very important issue. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's getting this recognition. Um, but it seems like over the last three years, we were talking about how to make interoperability better. And then it was like a light switch flipped. And, and now it's like, wait a second, we have this major issue right now. Um, About health with health equity, that you know we're going to have a bigger impact in this area than probably managing. You know, like I said, to to contradict myself a little bit, the managing code sets, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I think that. So uh, after hearing all this stuff, it's it's obviously a a very real issue, Um, and there are companies out there that actually have been really helpful in this, and I think we're starting to see. the, the, com- the combination of some of these companies that exist and companies like ours, um, which are HIEs and, and coming together at the same table and saying, how can, how can we help? But we have this, this kind of massive um, pool of data. How, how can we either integrate into this or, or use some sort of um, connection to be able to help with this? And, and, and so you have companies like um, Unite Us and, and Find Help which was formerly Aunt Bertha, um, two of the really big players in this space, and and those companies have been around for for quite some time now, and and you know they're helping people get access to um, food pantries, they're they're helping um, facilitate referrals and all of these other things that happen um, based on you know problems that you have based on your socioeconomic status. Um, they're mm-hmm. really they're really helping accommodate that, and so. Um, there, there has been this big push, especially within, um, the HIE community to get involved in, in mm-hmm. these discussions, um, you know, not only with companies like this, but, but on our own, you know, what can we do just on our own that somebody might not be doing today. And, right. um, it's, it's really exciting. I wish I could share more about it. We're still in the very early discussions. Um, I, I can tell you that. This is this feels like kind of um the culmination of everything that that HIE has kind of worked up to, which is now like there there's a big push to implement. And and um once we implement it, now there's a big push to um interoperate more with the data. Now there's a now there's a big push to find these new avenues and, and social determinants of health being the first one. Um, I think it it kind of paints a good picture of what the future of HIE can be because. With, with more people going on to Epic and Cerner, it really feels like it's just going to be Epic versus Cerner, like Coke versus Pepsi. <laughs> and, so, mm-hmm. and so, and so, there, you know, there, there might be some value there that, that decreases um, with some of uh, the interoperability side. But, it, you know, if we can show, hey, there's some really cool stuff, though, we can do with this data. And not only that, but we can re-expose that data back to you so you're aware of what's going on with this and help you provide better counseling To your patients, then it 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 turns into a really cool operation, and uh, I'm pretty excited to see where it goes.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm interested to see how it evolves as well. Uh, You know, you have a lot of the data and the connections to the providers, so you know, in some some ways, you can see where that makes sense because a lot of the SDOH health equity is about the data. So, yeah, we'll see where it evolves. Right. You know, one of the biggest problems we're hearing over and over, especially as we travel, the conferences around workforce, you know, are HIEs facing kind of the same workforce challenge or how is the workforce impacting you?
1: Yeah. um, So... You know, we we are, but I feel like we kind of always have. Um, Oh, yeah. There's...
0: It's just normal. (laughs) Status quo for us. Um, The day in the life of a nonprofit HIE. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, being a nonprofit, being a smaller company, it it is hard to be competitive sometimes. So what we do, as opposed to um, maybe traditional benefits, we really make sure that um, we are explaining how innovative some of this stuff is and saying, you know, yeah, you could go work for a mega corporation, probably make a lot more money. Um, but you're most likely going to be looked at as more of a number and, and, and a, and, a machine that puts out work. And, and here, um, we're, you know, we, we, have this culture of kind of like the, the trailblazers of this has never been done before. You can't look it up. Um, if you want a say in how this goes, if you have ideas uh, of how you want, um, you know, to to help change, you know, just this little niche of healthcare in the United States, then we want you. And, um, and, and we've really found some great people by being able to kind of kind of show them the potential of, you know, the impact they can make, because, um, you know, money's not everything, right? If you can get paid a ton of money, but not feel fulfilled in your job, and Um, You know, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it. Um, There's the the ability to make an impact at a company, I think is, is what most people strive for. And so that's what we try to uh, foster here. Um, And and so, you know, does turnover happen? It does. It it happens every now and then. But, um, but, you know, on on the whole, I wouldn't say it's uh, any better or worse than it has been for us. It's just kind of a status quo.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I met one of your colleagues and she said that. She said, yeah, the thing I like about working here is that i have a real impact and that you know and and i get some ownership of some specific projects she'd been there it sounds like since near the beginning if i remember right and uh, mm-hmm. you know and she's like yeah, yeah i saw the evolution i saw the impact we've been able to have so it, it's hard to quantify that in a you know it's it, it's not a follow the money it's a happiness and lifestyle and yeah and, and those types of things right that you can't yeah. buy you can only earn them <laughs> you know
1: so <laughs> that's right that's right
0: <laughs> yeah well, we always like to wrap up these, uh, episodes with a little career advice. So what, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten in your career?
1: Oh boy. Yeah. I, you know, I've been thinking about this one pretty hard and, and I don't want this answer to sound really basic because I didn't, <laughs> it, it's something that like, you know, you say, it, you're like, well, oh, that makes sense. But, but I didn't really understand it, um, until later on in my career. And and that was learning to think in terms of business decisions. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So like, you know, uh, you see, um, you need a a car and, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say, like, if I need a new car, I'm probably making my decisions more based on emotion. (laughs) Uh Um, but you know, there, there have been, as I progressed through my career, um, just learning about, um, you kind of don't know what you don't know. And when you make a decision, um, about, maybe it's acquiring software, maybe it's acquiring personnel, but really taking a step back and saying, well, how does this impact, um, you know, like the financials of the company? How does this impact um, our, you know, does this, is this in line with our vision? Um, Is this, you know, what are the benefits that we're going to get here? Um, and, And again, this sounds really basic, but I think that if you were to ask me, you know, 10 years ago, like, oh, do you, you know, when you make your decisions, are you making them, are you making the best decisions for the business? And I would say, yeah, of course, of course. Like, why would I not make the best decisions for the business? But then as you, you know, progress in your career and you start learning like, okay, well, if we hire a person in this position, we're assuming this position exists forever. We don't, we don't, that position doesn't go away. So if that person leaves, we need to backfill that position now. So that position is, is it exists forever? Furthermore, you know, that, then you have salary, right? But salary is not the whole thing, because then you have benefits on top of it. So it, it's like getting really in touch with, you know, understanding that it might be really easy to make a certain decision, but understanding the full impact of that decision. And and, and I know that's difficult. Sometimes when you're starting out in your career, you know, you might not be able to uh, fully understand that. But um, I, I think, uh, you know, just just working towards the understanding every part of the business, like I'm I'm not a finance person yet. I have to maintain a budget, so I have to learn finance. So it, it's it's good to it's good to really understand every part of the business. You don't have to be an expert in it, but understand finance, understand policies, understand uh, basic operations. Um, and and the, the quicker you understand that, the the more successful you'll be. It's it's a very valuable skill. Yeah,
0: I mean, you're highlighting something I've experienced, right, where I get over my skis sometimes because I think I understand the problem when, in fact, I only understand two parts of a 10-part issue, right, which I, I think is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like, You yes. know, having a little humility to go understand the other eight parts, so exactly. then you can fully understand the business complexity, which in healthcare, it's all complex. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is. Yeah. Thanks, Henry. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you sharing your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, John. Appreciate it.